I'm Jamila, and I'm an alcoholic. First, let me thank my higher power for helping me to make a meeting, to help for helping me to get here safely, and for sobriety in life. As I said, I am Jamila, and I'm definitely an alcoholic. Um, I had a patient once who, an elderly gentleman, who said uh, that he had a cold, and after examining him and being pretty much assured that he didn't need to be admitted, I made sure that he could be comfortable at night by giving him like an antitussive, uh, one that's not controlled, because I try not to uh, prescribe controlled meds unless it's absolutely necessary. And I asked him, well, do you have something for your uh, runny nose? He said, yes. I said, what is it? He said, a handkerchief. I like that. You know, a woman who said to me, I have a discharge. I'm seeing it in my underwear. And I said, well, what color is it? She said, oh, they're red with black lace. You know? <laughs> Some of the funniest things I get from my patients. Um, the fourth step made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. You know, I, ever since Joe asked me to speak on the fourth step, first of all, I thought it was ironic because, you know, that fourth step is almost like a nailing step for most of us. I do not come into the program of AA trying to change it. Hell no. Uh, but I'm going to change it just for a minute. There are 12 steps. And just for a picture of balance, I'm going to move four over to six. And I'm going to have, like, I'm going to draw a picture of a bird. Here's a wing. You know, one to six. Six is right in the middle. And then six to twelve. Only for that picture am I changing it. I see that bird soaring very high. I see that bird as the steps, the 12 steps of AA. And I see meetings and the rooms as some of the wind beneath that bird's wings, but I see higher power behind the meetings and the rooms of AA. And so when someone says now, for me, that Maybe you ought to do another fourth step. I'm going to try to picture that analogy. You know, I attend meetings in Montclair, and there's a group in Montclair that is probably um, as old as the program. I think they celebrated 53 or 55 years not very long ago. And um, it hasn't always been easy. But with the program, I have learned that there are no excuses, that we accept things as they are, that, um, yeah, there's racism, but now, what about you? What are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do about you? Not only that, but now your number one priority is your sobriety. And boy, that takes a load off of me. Because there were times in Montclair when I wanted to curse people out. You know, I felt that they were being racist. But you know what's a funny thing? Um, we choose our poisons, sometimes kind of subconsciously. I came to the meeting. I made my arrangements uh, and sent a check-in. 
My check didn't have any kind of theme on it or whatever. But the room I got had no air conditioning. I said, well, how'd they know what color I am? <laughs> you see, I'm human. Hey, I'm human. <laughs> you know, I know they couldn't tell from my voice. You know, when I'm carrying on business, I can really enunciate and pronounce, you know. So, um, what can I say? Well, I took my inventory, my fearless and moral, moral inventory of myself about my fourth year. I remember when one of the guys at, in Newark said to me, oh, you got to make a step meeting at least one a week. I did not want to hear that because I didn't want to. I didn't want to do any work, to be honest with you. Um, but I've since learned that it's it's not a race, it's a pace. So as long as I do an inventory, doesn't matter that I take four years. I've seen people do it their first year, God bless them. Because my memory was not good enough to do a really searching and fearless moral inventory. I certainly couldn't search. That book, Living Sober, it's a yellow-covered book. I remember having to, that whole first year, just kind of um, vegetate in front of the television. You know, I have cable and all the stations, and I had to vegetate. And my brother, God bless him, I hope he'll be here today. You know, we had a big falling out lately over uh, something that is nothing. Can't divorce your family, though. And... um he told me, he said, you know, you said some crazy shit that first year. He said, but you kept saying one thing. I'm so glad I'm sober. He said, and that's what kept me coming and trying to help you. I love him for it. Um, I love my family. I have family that still uses, and it hurts so much. And I know that it's time for me to be part of al because it is starting to do something inside of me. And I promise myself, even if it's only once a month, I will start attending Al-Anon because I've got to handle it. I've got to do it. I have no choice. But to bring you back to this fourth step, for the newcomer, fear not. Stick around for the miracle because it is much more than you could ever imagine. I have no guarantees that next year, this time in Anaheim, I won't be saying I'm just coming back or even that I'll be on this earth, but so what? If I had a guarantee that I could live, even to be my mother's age, and I'm very proud to say that she's an 84-year-old black woman who raised 10 children, even though three of them have gone to the grave from this disease. I love her so much, you know, but she says, I don't pray to stop drinking because I just might. You know, what are you going to do with her? What are you going to do with her? You know, you need to go to the doctor. Why don't you go to the doctor? I don't need no doctor. My daughter's a doctor. What are you going to do with that woman, you know? But I just love her, you know? But uh, Fear not, because the fourth step is not going to kill you. The fifth step may, if you pick the wrong person. <laughs> I say that because the girl, the woman that I picked to do my fifth step with, she and I fight like hell. I've already fired her as my sponsor. But this time, you know, the last argument we had, I told her, I don't even want the friendship. And she knows that's bullshit because, you know, we must fulfill something. With, I don't know. But anyway, she knows. I said, the friendship, the friendship. I don't want their friendship. And I hung up on her. And that was about a week ago. And, you know, I, of course, I think of her at least once a day. Um, but the fourth step, I did the best that I could. It took me maybe four to six months. But I did it, and that day when I went to Gwen's house and I sat there, 
And she had me. First, before we even started, I'm saying, what a controlling bitch. You know, uh, first she had me, and she had me bring my big book, and, and she gave me the big book. My, we sat down, and she said, turn to page, and I don't remember, I think it was 75, if I'm not mistaken, because I wanted to use the same technique with my sponsees. You know, the girl is a beautiful sponsor, really. Um, but technically, she's not mine. And uh, I read the thing, we read it, we went through this whole thing, and then I started to read to her from my fourth step. And uh, that was my fifth step as I sat there. And when I finished, I remember, and I'll always remember, I just broke out. It was like, and she did too. And I just feel bonded to her. No, we don't get along, you know. She's a strong character, and damn it, I'm not taking anything from a bitch. I'm not going to take anything from a man either. You know what? I'm working on cursing. I guess I haven't. I have to really make up my mind and get my priorities together. Because I was in a women's meeting last night and I said F U C K too many times. But anyway, um, the steps. No, we are not perfect. We, you know, progress rather than perfection. Don't let them scare you. You know, just keep coming. Relapse is not a requirement. I thank Gene so much for sharing what he shared this morning. You know, uh, I have not made many of the caduceus meetings in my area, but for September, I uh, blocked out my schedule in the emergency room so that I would be freed up on Thursday evenings because there's some growing i got to do, even if it's among a bunch of white men, you know? <laughs> no offense, man. But don't let the steps scare you. They're there. The only one we got to do perfect is the first one. And then when I walked into that rehab, Marworth, in Pennsylvania, I'll never forget when I saw that first step, I was so happy. And as I pray now daily, I say, God, I'll never get as far from you as I did. Because I was right on a mission. And I just wouldn't, couldn't die. And when I started praying, my mother started praying, and my sister and my brother, and she sent my name to a radio evangelist and all that stuff. You know, uh, hey, things started happening. My brother came, and, and, and he never did stop coming around. God bless him. It was a house full of us. We all live with my sister. She's still out there, too. And I have her son. He's 17. He's here in Alateen. And um, you say, oh, God, here comes Alec. Put the shit away. You know? And he'd come there, and he would just sit. He would just sit. Then one day he invited us to a meeting, and my sister said, okay. And I went, and I went to this little cheap dress store and got dressed and everything, and I was dressed up and waiting. And when I got to the meeting, my biggest fear was realized the leader of the meeting was one of my patients. <laughs> but it was okay because I was beaten down. I like to say when I come to the rooms that I was out of breath when I got here, and I was. I was willing, it was like a whole slate just erased. When they said, you got to change people, places, and things, and I got a phone call, and they said, it's so-and-so, and I started looking around at the people in the rehab saying, who from here is calling me? That's how quickly I erased the people in my life. God willing, I will always, I'm not going to say always, I'm going to say just for today, I want to want this program as much as I want it right now because God knows I got slapped, beaten, and everything else. I found out there are real boogeymen out there. All of the stuff that I thought I had missed while I was going to school all my life, I found out I hadn't missed anything. And it was all through this disease. 
I would have needed these rooms anyway. I know I would have needed these rooms. I thank God that I'm here. I can also kind of think about a fourth step in terms of a drawing a picture of a kind of a cluttered house. You know, when you, we women know when we really get to, to, to house cleaning, we can use toothbrushes and, and, and what do you call it, uh, the things you clean your ears with sometimes that you're not supposed to, Q-tips. And you, but you got to move the furniture, you got to move this, you got to go to walls, you got to go to windows. We can clean when we really want to. Well, that's to me another analogy of what a fourth step is about. It's about pulling that furniture out, pull all that shit out. Clean all around. But leave it in the middle of the floor so that you can do a fifth step. Hope you choose the right one to do it with. Thank you, Jamela. And for step five of the new Tony's. My name is Tony. I'm an alcoholic and addict. And I really wasn't scheduled to be doing the fifth step. Uh, Joel B. was, and something happened. His wife got ill, and he couldn't be here. So Joe came and asked me. And I graciously and willingly agreed and volunteered. The feeling I had as I was sitting there hearing what's been going on in the last few days, too, is a song that says I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Something happens, something comes out. And have been quiet and reserved suddenly get up, something touches them, a kind of inspiration, a kind of divine touch and things come out of them that are unbelievable. I sometimes can't keep up with all the profound sayings I hear and yet I know that they heard them from someone else too, you know. Uh, it's not a race, it's a pace, I like that. Uh, with regard to the fifth step, I remember the first meeting I went to in IDAA in August of 77, and I was absolutely in awe of what was going on and seeing the activity in the physicians. And uh, Every evening they had a lot of alcathons, and this particular night, I went to an alcathon on the fifth step, and this guy got up and said, when it came time for him to take the fifth step, he went looking for a deaf mute. And he felt secure if he were telling his fifth step to a deaf mute. Most of the audience laughed, and I couldn't understand this. Uh, I couldn't understand what would be the danger or the fear or the intimidation in doing a fifth step. Uh, as time went by and I looked at the steps and I began uh, trying to understand them, I felt if one had gotten through the first four steps, it wouldn't be too difficult 
to do the first step, which was admitting to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. I had the, not only the feeling, but the knowing that God knew the exact nature of my wrongs. God was all-knowing. He was omnipresent. He was everywhere I had been and was. In the closets, in the recesses of my mind, in the most dark corners, he knew me. So I wasn't afraid of revealing myself to God. I wasn't particularly concerned about revealing myself to myself. Except when I tried to do that, I saw that there was different levels of revelation, different levels of honesty. When I was at the uh, August meeting, a large, big, handsome, white-haired gentleman came up, and he had been from the New England area where I had originated from. And he came up to me and he says, Tony, he says, I think you need a sponsor because I hadn't had a sponsor at that time. He said, I would be willing to be your temporary sponsor. And he lived in Massachusetts at the time. I lived in Willimantic. And he said, we'll call each other each week and uh, keep in touch. Uh, his name, this fellow's name is Charlie Harrell. He has since passed away. He was a a giant in the field of recovery in the New England area and in AA. And he used to probe me. He used to probe me to uh, persevere with the uh, fourth step. Uh, when would I take the fifth step? And I'd take the fifth step with him and he said, you're not being completely honest. And I'd get angry with him. Uh, but I persevered, and I found that it required repeat fourth step, and it required repeat fifth step. Eventually, I moved from Connecticut and came down to New Jersey, and I had the fortune and the uh, grace, good luck to encounter a black man at a meeting who was not an educated, uh, formally educated black man, but he had a wisdom. His name was Frank Taylor, who just recently passed away. And I asked him if he wouldn't be my sponsor. And I developed a relationship with Frank Taylor that was uh, one of the most rewarding of my life. The man seems to have had a special laser beam insight into me. And there was no way I could fake him out. And there was no way I could say something that wasn't right on. And he used to tell me, don't, you know, tell me what you think or what you feel. Tell me what you know or tell me what you're doing. And uh, he knew when I was being truthful. He knew when I was being half truthful. Uh, he taught me the... Uh, the dishonesty of bragging, braggadocio and arrogance, and taught me how to control my bragging, which I had a great uh, tendency to do. Uh, 
a few years ago, I moved from Jersey down to Florida, and I moved to a small, little redneck town where there's just a very small little AA. And uh, I went to the meetings there, and I go there, but it's not quite the same as uh, they were in Jersey. Along the way, I made a great discovery, especially in view of our uh, technological society. Uh, I invested in a computer last year, and I learned all about it, and I took courses, and uh, I learned how to surf through my computer and the Internet, and I discovered friends of AA and friends of Bill W., and chat meetings on uh, the Internet. And I met another fellow physician from the Florida Medical Group, Wayne, and we started dialoguing on the email. And it turned out to be a great thing. Uh, we would almost take uh, partial fifth steps with each other. Uh, he would tell me things that of a great uh, revealing nature, and I would share with him. And we came to the realization that if you can't always get to a telephone, if you can't always get one-on-one uh, -on -one with a sponsor, it might be good to have another outlet. And so we started developing a network of uh, recovering physicians in the Florida area on the Internet. And it's just in its early stages. And we've made a few announcements here. If people are interested and they have computers and they have modems and they have some uh, email ID address to let us know and we will set up a uh, file and an address book and work something out where people can have other AA physicians or IDAA members who they could uh, email to and chat uh, when they want to. It's the real action step, the fifth step, the beginning of doing something. And like every beginning, that's all it is, the beginning. There has to be a continuation and there has to be a uh, adding on to and there has to be taking the next step. These kind of meetings help like a springboard to uh, get us into more things. We hear enough things in a few days here that uh, charge up our motors and get us going. <coughs> and I know many of you have heard enough from me this weekend, but I do want to share something with someone who is talking about golf. And I know that golfers are great fabricators, but what I'm going to tell you is the truth. I was listening to a guy giving a sermon on one of these TV programs, and he talked about uh, Goliath and uh, who was it who slayed David and Goliath? Thank you. And he was telling the story of David and Goliath and how David was able to slay Goliath because. He not only had 
the slingshot, but he had the power of God uh, behind him. And somehow it gave me a little clue. And that particular day, I said to myself, I've been playing golf for 50 years. I've had moments of uh, absolute brilliance in my golf career. And now I'm sort of in the downgrade phases of it. But this particular day after I heard the sermon, I went out and I said, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to turn my golf game over to my higher power. And I am going to let my higher power enjoy himself through me, using my body, using my body and my accumulated talents, which were many, that I have over 50 years of studying the game and playing the game and having been accomplished at one time. I was going to let my higher power play through me. And I went out that day and had one of the most astounding rounds that I've had in the last 20 years. I shot a 75. It was almost climactic, uh, orgasmic. Every shot, I was just what they call in the zone, you know. And because I had turned it over to my higher power. And that isn't exactly part of the fifth step. But I've come to the, I've come to these meetings for many years. And people come up to me and remind me of little things that they've heard. And some of them have been taped and they play my tapes and they remember me, uh, stealing newspapers from my neighbors because I had revealed that at a meeting. I had gotten a job at Morris County as the county physician and I was doing very well. I was, I made a great income and yet I would sneak over to the county farm where the prisoners were raising vegetables and I'd pick vegetables from the county farm. And I got reported by one of the prisoners. <laughs> and I got called up by the administrator. What are you doing stealing zucchini when we're paying you $100,000 a year? And that was a tough question to answer, you know. But the thing is, I have no secrets from anybody anymore. It's just I have to go deeper each time, and I'm so glad to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tony. And for step, step six, I bring you Joachim C. Good morning. My name is Joachim, and I am an alcoholic. Uh, I'm supposed to talk about... Uh, what do I think about step six? Uh, it's difficult, extremely difficult to tell anything after following, having to follow Tony. Because uh, I don't play golf, and I don't allow God to play golf through my body. <laughs> extremely difficult. Though I have the opportunity to thank my friend Tony again, because uh, if I am here, I owe it to Tony. Thank you, Tony. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a grateful alcoholic. I go to the, I belong to the Morristown group, and I'm uh, very proud of that. And 
a lot of things that I know nowadays I uh, learned through my good group in Morristown, founded by uh, Bill Daniels and, uh, well, uh, when I was asked by Joe to say what I think or uh, my interpretation of uh, step six, I started paying attention to step six. As you know, step uh, six and seven, they are known as the forgotten steps. And to don't be an exception, I have forgotten step six and step seven. Step six, uh, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asking to remove our shortcomings. Uh, I have been with the Morristown group for over five years. And uh, thanks to God, thanks to you, thanks to the program, uh, I haven't been drinking for over five years. So the craving, thanks to God, thanks to you as I said, and thanks to what I learned in this fellowship, the craving uh, was gone. I was, I graduated, I came from uh, Portugal. I went to medical school in Lisbon, and uh, during my, in Portugal, I never heard about alcoholism. Everybody drinks in Portugal. Even children. I never heard about alcoholism. That wouldn't be too bad. But during my medical school, and now I realize that the same happens here in the United States, I never heard about alcoholism. I discovered alcoholism here in this country. Uh, why did I join uh, the Morristown group of professional alcoholic anonymous? I didn't join. I was forced to join. It's very simple. Uh, the only license that I lost in my life was my driving license. And because of that, I'm not going to the details and to bother you with details. That's why I had to join uh, an alcoholic anonymous group and then I was quite convenient and I'm glad that I did, that I joined the, the Morristown group. But fortunately, as I said, fortunately, I never lost my, dry, my medical license or any other license the only thing that I lost was my driving license. So, uh, I was what now I learned how to define the uh, high bottom, not low bottom uh, alcoholic. Anyway, but same way that uh, I never was a member of the Playboy Club, and uh, as you know, we, this was the headquarters of the Playboy and his bunnies. Uh, I have uh, here several times to mention the Canavan Club, uh, and despite of the fact that I have heard only beautiful things about uh, Canavan and the Canavan Club, I'm not interested in joining the Canavan Club either. I didn't join the Playboy, I'm not interested, and that's why I'm here, to keep my mind green, not my resentments. Uh, 
you know, in, at the AA, one of the things that I admire and I appreciate more and helps me the most are the simple slogans. Simple slogans. Kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I love the slogans. One day at a time. I love it. And the slogans have helped me tremendously. Uh, so, I always carry with me a card that says, God, allow me to smile, but uh, don't let me forget that I cried. And uh, in order to keep my memory green and keep continue smiling, that's why I belong to the an, uh, Alcoholic Anonymous and that's why I go every week to the Morristown group. To keep my memory green, I don't want to join the Playboy Club, and I don't want to join the Ken Evans Club. Uh, now, about step number six. As I mentioned, the sixth and seventh have been called forgotten, the forgotten uh, steps. And to don't be exception, I had also forgotten. I've never paid attention to the step six and step seven. I wrote to my wife my beginning of paying attention to step six and step seven. My wife is not uh, uh, involved at all in the, the Alcoholic Anonymous and group and uh, activities, but I owe this to her. Because, uh, as I mentioned, I, I have been going to the uh, Morristown group for over five years, but approximately by the, I would say, Three years without drinking one single drop. And the most important thing, and I'm thankful again to God and to you, feeling quite comfortable and enjoying life, enjoying parties, and no drinking at all. I was very proud of my achievements, but one day, during one discussion, I don't remember the details, but my wife 